Shalom, Mishpocha. Shalom, family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word, means family. <laughs> We're the Mishpocha, the family with the Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people. We're the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile. It's finally come down to form one new man. Getting ready, Mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar, or the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone everywhere to hear the good news. We want everyone everywhere to be red hot for the Messiah. I am so excited about this week's interview. It's because, number one, uh, the person I'll be interviewing is a board member. Number two, he's a friend. And number three, he is hitting upon what I believe is one of the biggest end-time heresies of the church. And, you, you know, uh, Tony Kemp, I, I, I was looking at a scripture over the weekend, and the scripture I was looking at uh, in the uh, New American Standard, it says, the love of most will grow cold in the last days because of what's coming on earth. And I believe, I see we're being set up for that scripture to occur. It, it's not the love of many. In the New American Standard, it's the love of most will grow cold. And it's so obvious to me that when you said to me, you were going to teach for a week on the counterfeit grace message, it brought, it was music to my ears. And even before I, I, I get you started, I have to tell you, that being a Jewish believer in Jesus, being a believer for 40 years, uh, and uh, I'm not bragging about this. Uh, I wish it wasn't this way, but I was discipled by the Bible. And by the time I had read the Bible, it was too late for people to tell me about once saved, always saved, or what is the counterfeit grace message? And some people say, well, Sid, you just don't understand grace. I have to tell you, without God's grace, I wouldn't be talking to you right now, Tony. Without God's grace, I would be in a mental institution, in prison, or dead. I am, as a matter of fact, I'll go one step further, Tony. I don't understand a backslider. I absolutely do not understand a backslider. I know what's back there. I would never want to be a backslider. Well, Tony, that's, that, I'm just so full of, <laughs> of, of being so upset over this counterfeit grace message. Perhaps we can start out with uh, your background. Uh, I know your father was a Baptist minister. Uh, you were saved in a Baptist church. You went to a Baptist theo uh, school of theology. Uh, and I also know something else about you. You're a student of the Word. You love the Word of God. And you're filled with the Spirit of God. But why did you start getting upset over this counterfeit grace message? Well, first of all, Jesus said... Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And it's very clear to Jesus that he meant for his disciples to become like him as we did the word of God. 
And the concern that I have is that someone hears the grace message of Jesus, comes up to the altar in a church, believes and receives Jesus as Lord and Savior, and thinks because that the message that they heard, the incomplete message of grace or the counterfeit grace, because they didn't hear the full message of the grace of God as is revealed through Jesus, that they think, okay, I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now I can go out and I can live any way I want to, and I'll still go to heaven. When Jesus says, no, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Walk in my steps. Do as I have done. Obey my word. And so there are so many persons out there who think that they are saved when they're not really living for Jesus, but they, quote, got born again, but they never made a commitment to follow Jesus by obeying his word. And I'm very concerned. And it's the love of God that's motivating my heart. And it's the love of the Father and the love of Jesus that says, hey, listen, this counterfeit message must be exposed for what it is because there's the potential for people to end up in the lake of fire because they didn't follow the true teaching, the true grace teaching. And and, uh, speaking of the lake of fire, Tony, in 1989, about 4 a.m., you had a visitation in your bedroom of an angel. Tell me about that. Well, this angel came to me, and my spirit left my body, and I went through the heavens. But I noticed something as I was speeding up toward the third heaven where God Almighty is. I could see the souls of those who had died and departed. And they didn't go to heaven. They were on their way to another destination. And nearly all of them were on their way into a tunnel that led to the lake of fire. And here's what I want to share with you, Sid. Uh, Later on, In the mid to late uh, 1990s, I had two visions of hell. And the first vision, um, I saw the lake of fire, and it was as far as the eye could see. And you could see the fire, you could see the the brimstone, you could see the smoke. And then, um, then the Father calls me by the Holy Spirit to be taken uh, to that place to see one individual. Uh, hanging in the fire, and the fire was going through this person as well as all around them. And what I want people to understand is, is consider this. This person is breathing fire. I mean, uh, your eyes dry out, your nose dry out, your lips dry out, and the pain is, uh, it's just agony. And so because of what I have seen, I want no person to be deceived and miss heaven because of a counterfeit grace message or a message that says you don't have to serve Jesus to the end of your days. Well, you know, uh, Tony, I want to go back to that scripture I started with at the front of the broadcast, and I have it in front of me now from the New American Standard Bible, uh, Matthew twenty four twelve, because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. 
boy, what a mouthful. But the thing that jumped out at me, and I'm wondering if you've researched this, is the word lawlessness. When I hear the English word lawlessness, I think in terms of uh, doing something illegal and going to prison. But the thought crossed my mind. I wonder if it means those that are not living by the total scriptures having to do with the sins of the day that have been around for thousands of years, homosexuality, sex outside of marriage, uh, watching pornography, lying, stealing, uh, new age, addictions. Uh, I wonder if that isn't what Jesus is talking about when he says lawlessness. And, and not only that, but when you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and you look at the grace teacher, the Apostle Paul, he begins to talk about those that God was not well pleased with in the desert during the time of Moses. Now, there are those who teach false grace that says, you know, that's Old Testament scriptures. But in verse 11, Paul says, these things were examples for us to learn from. Now, if the grace teacher, the Apostle Paul, this incredible follower of Jesus, would use Old Testament scriptures to speak to New Testament believers and give them warnings about lawlessness and iniquity, and he mentions such things as uh, false worship, lust, sexual sins, murmuring and complaining, tempting God, and says, you know what, those people didn't make it with God. And he's urging believers, listen, if you think it's okay to do those things, you don't really understand grace. Because the grace of Jesus will cause you to stay away from sin and live in holiness. You know, there has to be a balance. And what I'm seeing is it seems as though uh, we believers go from one extreme to another extreme. Uh, uh, there was the legalistic approach that holiness was totally appearance. And now there's the grace, which is saying anything goes because Jesus paid the price for your sins. Be like the world, smell like the world, taste like the world, look like the world, act like the world, but say a little prayer of salvation. And because of what Jesus said, you go to heaven. What happened to the scripture, Tony, that says narrow is the way that leads to life? Few there are that find it. That's the truth. And Jesus, again, is talking to his disciples. And remember, again, the Apostle Paul in Romans eleven twenty two says, I want you to take a look at both the goodness and the severity of God on them which send or fail severity, but toward you, speaking to believers in Rome, Italy, goodness, if you continue in his goodness. Otherwise, he says to the believers, if you don't obey the word of Jesus the Messiah, you'll be cut off. Again, he says, behold both the goodness and the severity of God. And so you're right. We should not be legalistic. It is not religious, it is not uh, man-made rules, but we do need to have a balanced view of God. One that sees, on the one hand, his mercy and goodness, but on the other hand, his righteousness and holiness. 
And so Paul goes on to say to the believers that they must continue to obey the teaching of Jesus, uh, the Messiah, for the rest of their lives or they'll be cut off. And so the way you continue in his goodness is to obey the teaching of Jesus. And again, Paul says in Romans eleven twenty one, if God spared not the natural branches, take heed that he also not spare you. Whoops, we're out of time. I want these three special CDs. The first two on counterfeit grace. You need this. You absolutely need this for yourself and loved ones. And the third is amazing. It's how to have God's blessing in the time of judgment. And the U.S. is going through judgment, and we need God's blessing. The three CDs plus five booklets. The title is Priceless Grace, subtitle, How to Avoid the Counterfeit, available for a gift of $35. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, 1-800-447-2697. There's some of you that are listening to me, and you've never even heard of this. There's others uh, that have bought into it, uh, but I want this exposed, Tony, this week I want you to explain what is authentic grace and what is counterfeit grace and what some of these counterfeit grace teachers are teaching us. First of all, the Apostle Paul, who was the original teacher on grace after the Lord Jesus, says this in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. He says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. It is very clear from the great teacher, the Apostle Paul, that authentic grace has something to teach those of us who would follow Jesus. First, Jesus is grace himself, and Jesus wants us to stay away from sin and to live holy. And so the Apostle Paul goes on and he tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 and 11, he says, exercise yourself to godliness. And so Jesus said, follow me. And so to be a disciple is one who learns how to think like Jesus, talk like Jesus, act like Jesus. A genuine disciple who understands authentic grace strives to have a Jesus life and a Jesus ministry. And so there are those who are saying in this counterfeit message of grace that everyone will be saved. And yet Jesus has something to say about that. Jesus indicates very, very clearly in his teaching. In, in Mark 9, verses 43 through 48, that those who die sinning, whether they claim to be believers or not, will go into the fire that never shall be quenched. There are those who teach, well, you know what? A person may go to hell for a period of time and then be reconciled back to the Lord and go to heaven. But Jesus clearly indicates that once a person goes into the fire, they are there forever. One of the other concerns uh, that I have as a, a believer in Jesus is there are some 
who are teaching a counterfeit message of grace, and this is what they're saying. A loving God would never condemn a person to the lake of fire. Yet in Revelation 20, verses 10 through 15, the apostle of love, this is John who talks about the grace of the Father, the love of Jesus. He says that the punishment upon Satan, the beast, the false prophet, and all who did not believe and obey the teaching of Jesus were placed in the lake of fire forever. And so it's very clear that authentic grace uh, warns you of the consequences of obeying sin instead of following the teaching of Jesus the Messiah. James also, the half-brother of Jesus and one of the apostles, says in his book, chapter 1, don't be a hearer of the word, because a person who hears the word and does not do the word is deceiving himself. And so counterfeit grace says you can walk up and say Jesus is Lord and Savior, but you don't have to do the word. Because of the finished work of Jesus, the Messiah, he's done it all. So now you are not responsible to obey the word. Because Jesus died on the cross, he was buried and raised to life because of what he has done. Now it doesn't matter whether you obey God's word or not. But James, the half-brother of Jesus, one of the apostles says, no, be a doer of the word. And the only person who's walking in authentic grace is the person that when he hears the word, does what the word says. And so then there's also a counterfeit grace teaching that says that the Holy Spirit will not convict Christians of sin. But we know that this is not true, because in Revelation 2 and 7, the Word of God says, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. And Jesus is rebuking the ones that he loves in the church of Ephesus and saying, I have something against you. Because I love you so much, I want to warn you. You have left your first love. You have fallen, repent, and do your first works again. In Revelation 2 and 16, Jesus speaks to the church at Pergamos and says, repent. In Revelation 3 and 3, Jesus speaks to the church in Sardis and says, repent. And Jesus speaks to the church in Laodicea and says, as many as I love, I rebuke and correct. He says, be zealous and repent. So the Holy Spirit in authentic grace teaching does convince a believer of sin and calls that believer to repentance. You know, Tony, you said something to me actually a number of months ago because I called you up and I said, I don't understand it. I'm watching some of these popular uh, grace teachers of the day, and they're saying wonderful things when I watched them on television, and you said, Sid, the Holy Spirit said, don't pay attention so much to what they're saying. Pay attention to what they're not saying. Explain. Well, I was in um, the eastern part of the United States, and I was with a great pastor. And this pastor probably has a church of about, oh, 800 people. I mean, this brother gets people saved. He's a wonderful man of God, and he was listening to one of the grace teachers on TV. And he was listening to this grace teacher, and 
He said, you know what, Lord, I agree with everything that he has said, but why don't I feel good about his teaching right now? He says, it it feels like my stomach is about to turn. And he said in that moment, the Holy Spirit said to him, it's because of what he's not saying. And so the problem with counterfeit grace is is it's not telling the entire truth. It's not telling the whole truth. And so the spirit of truth wants us to know the whole truth. And if Jesus will warn people uh, to stay away from sin, repent of sin, go and sin no more. And, And if Jesus says, listen, because of the love of the Father, I want you to follow me. And there are warnings about the consequences of sin as well as the joys of heaven for those that follow the Messiah. We need to be balanced. And the problem with counterfeit teaching is it's not telling people everything that they need to know to get to glory. And to die and find out then is the wrong time to make this discovery. Um, I notice that these popular grace teachers never, ever, talk about repentance. Why is that? Well, you know, uh, in the counterfeit uh, grace teaching, uh, some believe you don't have to repent. You don't have to confess your sins because they believe that all of your sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven, so repentance is not needed. And so when someone says, well, 1 John 1 and 9 says, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, the response is then given. Well, John wrote that to the Gnostics. However, the letters were not written to the Gnostics. The letters were written to the church. First John 2 and 1, John says, my little children. He's not going to call the Gnostics my little children. In one of his, in the same book, he, he says, I've written to you, fathers, because you've known Jesus the Messiah from the beginning. I've written to you, young men, because you're strong, because the word of God, Jesus himself, lives on the inside of you. You've overcome the wicked one. I've written unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven, because of Jesus' sake. No, he is writing to the church, and he is saying that when, after we've been saved, if we sin, we need to confess our sins. And, and and that's what the Father wants. Now, someone may reply and say, you know what? You can't build the doctrine on one scripture. And I agree with that. But if you look at Acts 8.13, it says that during the time of Philip the Evangelist, when he was in Samaria, there was a man by the name of Simon, and he was a saucer. And he repents and he believes. The scripture says that Simon gets saved. But later on, he sees Peter and John come, lay hands on people, and the people receive the Holy Spirit. And here is a man who hasn't yet had his mind renewed with the Word of God. And so he offers Peter money so he can have the power to lay hands on people for them to receive the Holy Spirit. And then in verses 21 through 23, Peter says, you know what? Your heart is not right in this matter. He says, you need to repent You need to ask God to forgive you for the thought of your heart. And so it's very clear here that Peter thought that people still needed to repent. 
It's very clear that Luke, who is the writer of the book of Acts, thought that. And it's very clear that the Holy Spirit is convicting Simon of his sin. And he asked Peter for prayer. Now, it is true that after you repent of sin, the Father forgives you. He washes your sin away. As far as the east is from the west, your sin is taken away because of the blood of Jesus. And how far do you go east before you get west? You never get there. And so because now I am justified, just as if I've never sinned uh, in Jesus, I have no consciousness of sin. But after I repent and obey the word, then the Holy Spirit talks to me about, talks to me about my righteousness. I don't understand how they came up with a doctrine called once saved, always saved, and then they say, oh, but if you commit sin, then that proves you were never really saved. I mean, what a craziness. Where did this come from, once saved, always saved? Well, I think you have to go back to um, a couple of doctrines. Uh, One is Armenianism and the other is Calvinism. And uh, Armenianism uh, stresses the grace of God with personal responsibility. In other words, grace empowers me to repent of sin, to give my life to Jesus the Messiah, and then to obey the Word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so it emphasizes both the presence and power of God, but I must receive the presence and power of God and then obey Jesus the Messiah. On the other hand, Calvinism emphasizes election. And it basically says, because Jesus has done it all, he saves me, he delivers me, he does it all. And so therefore, I don't do anything. I just simply receive what Jesus has done, and I have no real personal responsibility. The only problem is, The Word of God clearly states that every single one of us who are saved must appear before the judgment seat of the Messiah to give an account of what we have done in our body, whether that's good or evil. And so if I am not responsible, then there is no reason for me to be called into judgment. But if I am responsible then I am going to be called into account. And so I think that one of the dangers of counterfeit grace is because Jesus has done it all, then I am not responsible for anything, and that's not a true message. So here's, here's the problem with uh, that kind of thinking. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 24, verse 13, He who endures to the end, the same shall be saved. In other words, when you are accountable to Jesus, you realize that you must walk with Jesus to the end of your life. In the proper understanding of authentic authentic grace, you know you have the responsibility to walk out what Jesus has put in your life by the word and by the spirit to the end of your life. In, in counterfeit grace, you don't have that responsibility. I can just do as I please. But authentic grace says this, 
you know what? Jesus is my Lord and Master, and as a bondservant, a doulos in the original language, I have no will of my own. My will is swallowed up in the will of my master. I have no life of my own. It is swallowed up in the life of my master. I have no rights to myself. All my rights have been surrendered to my master. And so in authentic grace, Jesus is my life. But in counterfeit grace, oh, Jesus is my Savior, but I have my own life and I can do what I please. And that's the problem with counterfeit grace. It leads people astray. And, and, you know, I don't want to be prudish, but coming from a Jewish background, I have difficult saying, yay, God. I I have difficulty uh, saying, God's my buddy. He, he, you know, he, he's my partner. He goes with me to the Dracula movies. I, I, I just don't get it, Tony. Well, see, here's, here's the thing. Jesus teaches us this in Matthew 7, verses 21 through 27. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father who's in heaven. So it's not enough for me just to call Jesus Lord. Jesus says to enter heaven, you must do the will, the word of my Father. Now, here's what really concerns me about full gospel, Pentecostal, or charismatic people. Jesus taught his disciples, and this is what he said. He said, some will heal the sick, expel demons, and prophesy. But they will walk in disobedience to my word, and they're going to be refused admittance into heaven. Jesus says to them, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. But in the original Greek, when he says, I don't know you, it means I do not have an approving relationship with you. And so the point of all of this is authentic grace says you must obey the word to be approved of God. Counterfeit grace says because of what Jesus did on the cross, only you are approved of God. Well, because of what Jesus did on the cross, I am accepted by God because he paid the price for my salvation. My justification, Romans 5 and 1 says, therefore being justified by faith, standing before God as if I've never sinned, by the grace and mercy that's in Jesus the Messiah. But justification according to Jesus must lead to sanctification and holiness. And that's what it means when Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with the Messiah, nevertheless I live, yet not I. And that's the point that Paul makes as an authentic grace teacher. Yet not I, but the Messiah lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul said, listen, in authentic grace, the life I live is the life of Jesus, and Jesus is my life. Let let me ask you a question, Tony. Um, What about, I know some popular counterfeit grace teachers of the day that move in extraordinary signs and wonders. Um, And doesn't that authenticate their message, even though it's unscriptural? No, it does not, because Mark 16 says this, that God will confirm the word with signs following. And so signs following do not confirm 
the preacher, the teacher, or the minister, or the speaker. No, if I say that Jesus is Lord and Savior, and somebody believes the word, according to Matthew 28, according to Romans chapter 10, or Mark 16, and they turn from sin and against sin, and believe in Jesus, they'll be saved, even if I'm not, if I'm telling them the word. If I say, you know what, Jesus is a healer, and they believe, Exodus 15, 26, the last part, I'm the Lord who heals you, or Exodus 23, 25, the Lord takes disease away, or 1 Peter 2, 24, by his wounds you were healed. If they believe that word and they're healed, it's because God confirmed the word that I gave them. And so God's confirming the word. He's not confirming me. And so that is the difference. One of the things about uh, counterfeit grace is this. You have a person who uh, repents of sin, gets saved. He may even get filled with the Holy Spirit. And he follows Jesus up to a point, And he uses his faith on his flesh to obey God. And then he says to himself, you know what? I don't feel like doing what Jesus said. I am not going to deny myself any longer. I am not going to uh, take up my cross, but I'm going to continue preaching the gospel. And then they see God continuing to do miracles through the word of the gospel. And they think, I'm okay. But Jesus said, no, deny yourself, take up the cross, and follow me. And so the only persons who will ultimately be acceptable to God the Father are those who walk in holiness and sanctification because of the presence and the power of Jesus the Messiah in their lives. You know, there's another aspect, and the Scripture says the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. And Tony, as I understand that, it means God can give gifts to someone, but then even if they go into error, the gifts stay with them. That's a little scary. It's real scary because in the original language, the word therefore uh, without repentance is irrevocable. In other words, once God gives it, he doesn't take it back. However, We are responsible, again, responsibility, authentic grace always calls you into responsibility, the ability to respond. So the fruit and the character are so important, Tony. You can't inspect the gift, but you can know the fruit and the character of the vessel. That's correct. And see, Paul, who's the authentic teacher of grace, emphasizes in in, in Gal- No, no, no. Hold it. We'll pick up right here on tomorrow's broadcast. But Mishpucha, I want you to get these two CDs on counterfeit grace. Trust me, you will need it for yourself and you'll need it for your loved ones. And then the third CD by Tony Kemp, How to Have God's Blessing in the Time of Judgment. And that's where we are right now. And we're adding to this five booklets. The title is Priceless Grace, subtitle, How to Avoid the Counterfeit, available for a gift of $35. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, 1-800-447-2697. What would you say to someone that, that, that says, listen, I was born again? Um, and so what if I've sinned? Jesus has paid the price for all of my sins, 
what do you want me to be born again again? Well, you know, that's a great question. But let's take a look at the truth. Uh, in Revelations 3, verses 1 through 5, Jesus says to one of the churches there, you have a name that you live, indicating a past salvation experience. But then the Messiah goes on to say, but you're spiritually dead. Then Jesus calls for repentance and then says to those who have not defiled their garments because of sin, you will walk with me. And so while it is true that the born-again backslider cannot be unborn, it is also equally true that the backslider can die through sinful living. So then somebody will say, well, you know what? Once you have a father, you can never lose your father no matter what you do. But I would like for people to examine uh, the truth of that statement because that's what people who teach counterfeit grace say. But authentic grace says this, when you were a sinner, your father was the devil. But then you repented of your sins, you gave your heart to Jesus the Messiah, and you got saved. And then God Almighty became your heavenly father. So in that, you switch fathers. Now here's what happens with a backslider. He decides to switch back to the evil one by obeying sin. And so the truth is, if one can switch one way, you must be able through choice to switch to the other. But again, I want to come back to the words of Jesus the Messiah, because according to verses 4 and 5, he says, the undefiled, speaking to the church. And uh, this, this is what book? This is the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Jesus says to the undefiled who left sin alone, you are in a white garment. But he's, he warns others who have sinned and stay in sin that they're going to have their name blotted out of the book of life. And so when Jesus says to him that overcomes, Jesus is referring to overcomers, believers who say no to a life of sin until their life on earth ends. In other words, the overcomers overcome sin by the grace of God. I, I was reading some of your notes on uh, teaching from uh, Jude 4 about uh, there's nothing new about the false grace teachers, the positive thinking teachers. But what really concerns me is with the times we're coming into right now, I think people are going to fall like flies that have been exposed just to the false grace message, just to the positive thinking gospel. Uh, what does Jude say? Well, Jude has something very interesting to say in his book. And remember, he describes himself as the servant of Jesus the Messiah. And he begins his book by saying to those that he is addressing it to, mercy to you, peace and love be multiplied. And then he begins to say this, it was needful for me to write to you and to encourage you that you should earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. And in the original language, the word contend means to defend and fight for. Because he's basically saying the authentic message of grace and faith was being changed. And he says in verse 4, For there are certain men who crept in unnoticed, unawares, 
who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, and he calls them ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. In other words, a license to sin. In other words, what these false teachers of counterfeit grace were saying, you know, because God is love, because so God, God is so kind and good, it's okay for you to sin. But here Judah is saying, that if a person decides it's okay to sin because of the goodness and kindness of God, they are denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus, the Messiah. And then, because he loves the people, he says, you know what, I need you to remember what you once knew, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that did not believe. And here's what happens to those who walk in counterfeit grace. They say, you know what? Because of God's goodness, I can do whatever I want, but here's the problem. When a person lives in sin who claims to be a believer, they actually get onto the ground and territory of the enemy. And because God the Father respects the will of man, he will never violate your will. And so a person who gets into sin onto the territory of the enemy can be destroyed by the enemy. And the person can permit this, even though this is not what the Father wants. And so it is the love of the Father to warn people to stay away from sin, which is the territory of the enemy, so that people can be kept safe by the kindness and genuine goodness of the Father. But, but what about people that pull out, say, Romans 8? There's no condemnation for those that are in Messiah Jesus. Well, I think that the counterfeit message that says that needs to be looked at because the authentic grace message says this, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in the Messiah Jesus who... Do not walk after the flesh, but after the Holy Spirit. So they leave the last half of the verse out, is what you're saying in their teaching. That's what makes it counterfeit, because it is incomplete. It's not the full message that Jesus intended for us to preach and teach to his followers. Because Paul goes on to say, the law of the Spirit of life in the Messiah Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. And so when I apply the word, the spirit of life supernaturally empowers me to overcome sin in my personal life because Jesus defeated sin for me. And the way that I live holy by the grace of God is because of Colossians 1.27, because Jesus is living in me, the Messiah in me, the hope of glory. Well, it's sort of like this half message is they say, well, the purpose of grace is to destroy the penalty of sin. But they, there's another purpose of grace, as you point out, and that's to destroy the practice of sin. That's correct, because John, again, the apostle of love says, he that is born of God does not practice sin. And that's what it means in the original language. He says, because God's seed, the word lives in him, rules in him, and he cannot practice sin because he's born of God. And so counterfeit grace says, you know what, uh, the, sin, the penalty for sin has been destroyed because of the finished work. And that's true. 
But because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross, I can also live free from sin, which is what Romans teaches in chapter 6. Paul says, being then made free from sin, you become a servant to God and you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Now, that's amazing to me because here the grace teacher, Paul, teaching again, authentic grace, puts freedom from sin, serving God, holiness, and eternal life together, indicating you can't really have one without the other. What would you say to someone that says to you, but Tony, you can never put yourself out or remove yourself from the grace of God. You just don't understand the grace of God. Well, here's what I would respond. Again, I would go to the, to the greatest teacher of grace there is outside of Jesus the Messiah, the Apostle Paul, who says to the, uh, the church in, 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 in uh, Galatians, I marvel you are so removed from the, from the grace of him that called you, Jesus the Messiah. And he says to the church there who wanted to go back to the law and be circumcised, he actually says to them, if you go back and you are circumcised, you are fallen from grace. So the authentic grace teacher says, you can fall from grace. But Paul says that if you understand that Jesus really has finished the work, and you walk in the finished work, then you're going to understand that Jesus enables you by his presence and power in your life, not only to escape the penalty of sin, but the power of sin is broken as you do the word by the power of the Spirit. Tony, I notice that these uh, false grace teachers only emphasize the love of God and never talk about sin or repentance. Uh, And they say, well, that's the way to attract people to believe in Jesus. What would you say? Well, Jesus basically told the people what his father told him to say. Jesus didn't compromise his message. Jesus, in fact, when he was teaching on one occasion in the book of John, he said to people, He said, if you don't accept my message, you can walk away. Jesus never compromised the truth. And yet here's Jude in his book saying, there are some people who are going the way of Balaam. In other words, they're going to speak a message that is popular because it's going to bring the money in. Tony, today I would like you to explain the wondrous word called grace in the New Testament, the authentic grace. You know, the Apostle John said this, of God's fullness, we've received one grace after the other. And so because I have received the grace of God, number one, I know my sins are forgiven. Number two, I am supernaturally empowered to stay away from sin. In other words, because of authentic grace, sin is being separated from my life. And so because of the grace of God in my life, I don't think the way I used to think. I don't talk the way I used to talk. I don't live the way that I used to live. And I can't say that I did this on my own. 
I just simply surrender to Jesus the Messiah. I think his word, speak his word, do his word. Grace is released into my life. And because of grace, you know, I sin less. I love God more. I love people more. And I am empowered to do the works of the Messiah because grace gives me access to the throne of God. And I now have a supernatural ability to bring heaven to earth. You talk, Tony, about uh, that uh, there's a way of getting more grace, more power for activation of the promises of God's word. Explain that. Well, you know, Paul said something very interesting that I think we should pay attention to in 1 Corinthians 10 and 20. He said, you know what? If you sin, you're going to have fellowship with devils. And he said, you cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of devils. And so whenever a person sins, they are actually having communion with the devil over that sin. But if I fellowship with God, if I obey God through the word, then I'm having fellowship with the God of all grace. And grace is constantly abounding and increasing in my life. You know, the Apostle Paul inspires me because the Apostle Paul received the grace of Jesus the Messiah in his life. And the Apostle Paul didn't just have the working of miracles. The Apostle Paul had extraordinary miracles, miracles of a type that did not happen every day. And see, because Paul walked in authentic grace, there, were, there was a period of time in Ephesus where handkerchiefs and aprons, belts and, and, and headbands were placed on his body, and then they were released to the sick, those too sick to even come out to meetings. And the Greek implies that the power of God, the grace of God that was in Paul's life, was released onto the sick, and there were creative miracles. In fact, the Greek indicates that if a person had no limb, a limb grew out. Whatever the um, incurable sickness and disease was, it disappeared from that person's body. These were persons that were too sick to even come out to a meeting. And, but, and the Word of God is very clear. It points out in the Greek that once these miracles started, they continued on and on and on. Now, here's what the Apostle Paul says in, in um, Ephesians 3 and 20. Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what you can ask, think, or even imagine, because of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. And here's what I'm saying. Authentic grace releases the presence, the communion of the Spirit, the friendship, the fellowship of the Spirit, the life of the Spirit, and the power of the Spirit, not just in your life, but it brings salvation, healing, deliverance, and miracles to others so that the Father is glorified and Jesus is made known. Uh, Tony, what would you say to someone that would say, Tony, I understand righteousness. I understand grace. I understand love. Your teaching is making me focus on my sins. Uh, what if I do something wrong? Uh, you know, I have to always be worried about sinning. I don't want to be sin conscious. I want to be righteousness conscious. 
Well, here's the thing about grace. Grace makes me righteousness conscious because when I sin and the Holy Spirit says, you have sinned, then I just simply right on the spot say, Father, I have sinned. I believe in the finished work of Jesus. Jesus, you died on the cross. You shed your blood. Forgive me. Wash my sin away. And then the Apostle Paul says, this one thing I do, forgetting what's behind me. And so I literally say, you know what? That's behind me. That is washed away. And so after that, I literally have no consciousness of sin. I know that I am standing before God the Father, and he doesn't see sin in my life because of his grace. And this actually encourages me to obey God, my aim becomes to please God. And so I have greater peace, I have greater joy, and I have greater power in my life. And so if a person says to me, you know what, Uh, your message makes me sin conscious, my response is the grace of God is so powerful that once you receive it the way Jesus teaches, you will not be sin conscious. You'll be so conscious of the righteousness of God. But what happens if, if someone is convicted by the Holy Spirit over and over and over again and pays no attention? Can their conscience be seared? Absolutely. The Apostle Paul teaches that, that a person can develop a reprobate mind. In other words, they're void of a conscience. And that's the most dangerous place to get to. But the problem with the counterfeit message is this. It causes people to be reprobate. It causes people not to pay attention to the voice of the Holy Spirit that's saying, according to the word, this is sin. But what happens with authentic grace is it actually increases my sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And I sin less and less, and I begin to know God and enjoy God more and more. And he enjoys me more and more. And I have more of the presence of God in my life. I have more of the power of God in my life. And so I can minister Jesus to others because I know him. And I have the power and the ability of God to make him known much more powerfully and effective. Uh, Tony, our time is slipping away. Uh, I will, there's no way we can cover all the information from your studies on counterfeit grace. We have two CDs and then the third on how to have God's blessing in the time of judgment. And we're adding five booklets. The title is Priceless Grace, subtitle, How to Avoid the Counterfeit, available for a gift of $35. And Tony, very quickly, lead us in repentance. If you've heard this message and you've said, you know what, I've been following the wrong path. I hear this message on the true grace of Jesus, and I want to repent. Just simply say, Father, Father, I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. I want to do the word. I want to do the word. I want to walk in the true grace of Jesus. I want to walk in the true grace of Jesus. I repent right now. I repent right now. Forgive me. Forgive me. Wash my sins away. Wash my sins away. And by the power of your grace. And by the power of your grace. Set me free from sin. Set me free from sin. 
I want to walk in righteousness. I want to walk in righteousness. I want to walk in holiness. I want to walk in holiness. And I want to know you, Father. And I want to know you, Father. By the grace of the Messiah Jesus. By the grace of the Messiah Jesus. And I receive the Spirit of God. And I receive the Spirit of God. Who enables me to walk in true grace right now. Who enables me to walk in true grace right now. And I thank you for hearing and answering my prayer, Father. And I thank you for hearing and answering my prayer, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you said that prayer, God's grace is so wonderful because of the blood of Jesus (laughs) that your sins can be washed away when you repent of your sins. And you can have the power to not keep sinning again. That's the true grace of God. This is the Shabbat broadcast. I want to pray over you. The Lord is blessing you right now. The Lord is healing the pain in your neck and your back right now. The Lord is keeping you right now. The Lord is smiling at you right now. The Lord is surrounding you with his favor right now. The Lord is gifting you right now. The Lord is giving you his peace, his shalom, his completeness in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body right now. In the name of the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, Yeshua HaMashiach Tzikenu, Jesus the Messiah, our righteousness. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural!, Visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sidroth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina. 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime 1 800 447 2697. For all other calls, the number is 704 943 6500. That's 704 943 6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation to Sid Roth. That's S I D R O T H. Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.